Well, we have several uh, people that are traveling this week, and I know that because on last week, on last Sunday, Jim's ministry, our Jim's ministry, they came together at the ADG, AD Players Theater, and, uh, and we saw the play, It's a Wonderful Life. And most of you know this story, and it's about a man whose name is George Bailey, and he sacrificed his dreams in order to serve his community, and, and to the point where he feels like life has passed him by. And he knows his job helps people. He knows that he's a decent man. He knows he has a good wife and a great uh, family. But that's not enough for him. So he eventually becomes so disappointed with his life that he contemplates suicide. And an angel is sent from heaven, and as the angel is sent from heaven, the angel shows him what life would have been like if he were, had never been born. And he recognizes as he looks at what the world would be if he were never born. He recognizes that in each man's life that every person has a role to play. And not only does every person has a role to play, but each person's life touches so many other lives. And when that role is not fulfilled, when that role is not played, that it leaves a hole in society. And as he looks at this and he sees what life would have been like if he had never been born, that he comes to a place where he wants what he already had. And he now realizes that the life he had but failed to appreciate was a wonderful life. You know what? Many of us are very much like George Bailey, that we all have dreams that are unrealized, we all, uh, at times, stress uh, in our daily lives. We all, at some point in our times, don't fully appreciate what we have accomplished or what we have. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to contemplate with me this question. What would your life be like if Jesus had never been born? What would your life be like if Jesus had never been born? Wow. And in Isaiah, Isaiah really speaks of into a situation where Judah felt powerless. Their enemies were closing in on them. And they were being, their enemies were being strengthened and they felt more vulnerable than they had ever felt in, their, in the history of, of, their, of, their, of the nation. And so they needed help because the enemies were knocking on their doors. And and so uh, Isaiah began to share with them in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, Isaiah 7, 14, he began to share with them. Let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, the word Emmanuel means God with us. And what Isaiah was doing is he was letting Judah know that God was on their side. And from the beginning of history, one of the things that we noticed is that there's a desire that we have to know God. There's a desire uh, on the inside of us that God reveal uh, who he is to us. And so God did reveal who he was or who he is by sending his son Jesus into the earth. And Jesus was called many, many, many different titles, but when, when Jesus, God sent him into the earth, 
that if he had not come, then we would not have knowledge of what God is like. We would not have knowledge or understand how we could relate to him. And so what God did is God sent Jesus into the earth. And as he sent him to the earth, we recognize then that um, the Bible tells us that uh, although he was rich, he became poor. Although he was in heaven, he became to the earth. And he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself and came as a servant. So notice this. Jesus recognized that although he was God, he had a role to play in the earth. And so as he came, we recognize then that Isaiah 9, 6 talks about for Unto us a child is born and a son is given. And he began to share uh, some names about him. He'll be called Everlasting Father. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, a Prince of Peace. And, and Isaiah just begins to share those things with us. But when Jesus was on the earth, that there were several names that, that they uh, would call him, or they referred to him by. And uh, they referred to him by the title of Son of David. They refer to him, that's his messianic name, and you remember that Bartimaeus would call him, Son of David, have mercy on us. Many of them, the blind men, the two blind men, they would call Jesus by his messianic name, and particularly those that wanted healing. But then Jesus was also called the Son of God, the Son of God, and, and even the devil, the demons, called him the son of God. And uh, what about the man that was being crucified, uh, that, that was at the cross rather when Jesus was crucified, that he said that this surely was, must be the son of God. And then even later, they began to call him that. But then Jesus' favorite description of himself was the son of man. And he would refer to himself over and over and over again as the son of man. And, and what's interesting is that when, when we talk about Jesus being the son of man, now one of the things that's interesting to me, that he would say the son of man have no place to lay his head. But, but when we look at his reference to the son of man and how Jesus lived his life and why it was so important for him to come, one of the things that we see here is that by being the son of man, he understood our limitations. And, and because Jesus got hungry just as we get hungry. Uh, remember, there was a time when he told his disciples, he says, that, why don't you go and get us something to eat? And so his disciples, why? Because they were hungry. Jesus was thirsty just like we get thirsty. That he says that I thirst, give me a drink of water, draw out of this well. Jesus got tired just as we get tired. The Bible says that he even slept in the bow of a ship in the middle of a storm. You know, when I read that, I began to, and this morning or last night as I was looking over uh, this particular uh, passage, what's interesting to me is that I began to reflect on my, myself because yesterday, um, let me just kind of tell you, they've got a great barbecue place in this area here. Can I just tell you where the barbecue place is? <laughs> How did I go from that to, to eating? <laughs> I'm going to I mean, use this to draw together. Yesterday, I, I, I uh, went to lunch, and, I, and as I went to lunch, it was a little late lunch, and uh, I ate. And, as, and when I finished eating, 
It was about another 30 minutes and I got so tired. And I tried to press and I tried to stay awake because it was only three o'clock and I tried to stay awake because it was 3.30. And then I couldn't handle it anymore so I laid down myself to sleep. And it was around four o'clock in the afternoon. And do you know what, when I woke up, you know what time it was, 10.45. And I got out of bed and I said, Quinn, when I went to bed, when I laid down just to take a nap, it was four o'clock. She says, I know. I was so full, I was so tired that I could not stay awake. And do you know what, as I read that, I began to say, man, Jesus felt just like I did. And even with all the stuff that was going on in the house, that I was asleep. He was sleeping above a ship. I was sleeping in the middle of a bed. So Jesus was hungry just as you get hungry. He says, I'm the son of man. He was thirsty just as you get thirsty. He got tired just as we get tired. And so uh, one of the interesting things that I'd like to do is that when we talk about what would life be like, what would your life be like if Jesus had never been born? Then I want to focus on some practical things and then lastly a spiritual thing. And, and I, there are many uh, ways that we could look at this, but I'm just going to talk about five this morning. Five ways that we could, we'll see that our, how, how our lives, what, what our lives would be like if Jesus had not been born. Number one, women would be the property of man. Women would be the property of men if Jesus had never been born. Paul, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what does this mean? You know, how did Christ love the church? Christ loved the church so much that he was willing to die for her. Not just serve the church, but to die for the church. And so notice what he says is that uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and be willing to give yourself up for her. So if something's dangerous, the man is the one who's supposed to step up in front of his wife. Now, now, let's take a look, look closer look at this because it's really important because in Roman and Greek cultures, I want you to see this. Love between a man and his wife was not valued at all. A woman was a man's property. And it, she was either the property of her husband or she was the property of her father. And in many cases, women weren't permitted to speak in public and was told when they could leave their houses. Can you imagine that today? Where you going? Head turned around. <laughs> You ain't my. But that's what it was like in the Roman and Greek culture. And, and, and notice this. Men were not expected to stay faithful to their wives. And they openly had mistresses. Now, eventually, in the Roman culture, women were given more rights. They were given the right to own property. And it came from the influence of Christianity. So if Jesus had never been born, women would still be the property of man. Second thing I want to just share with you this morning. If Jesus had never been born, 
most of society would be illiterate. See, the first schools that were started were started by the church. And these common schools or the lower grade schools were first held in the house and the church. And what's interesting is that in 1647 in Massachusetts, that's where school law was originated. And I want you to read, I want to read as I, I began to research this, I want, I want, I want to read exactly what, why they started the lower grade schools. They said, it being one chief project of that old deluder, Satan, to keep men from the knowledge of the scriptures. And so notice this, that the founders recognized that Satan wanted to keep people ignorant. And, and, and so if he could keep them in, ignorant, then he could keep them in bondage. And so he could motivate them not only uh, to uh, think the way he wanted them to think, uh, but he could also cause them to do what he wanted them to do. And so they motivated, they were motivated to start schools so that they could come against the attack of the enemy. Of the, of the 108 colleges, not only did they do lower class schools, uh, elementary, but they did colleges as well. And, and of the 108 colleges, 106 of the first colleges were Christian colleges. It was the original concept of Harvard College. And I want to read what was in their bylaws. They said, let every student be plainly instructed and to earnestly press to consider well. The main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is his eternal life. John 17, 3, they had it in there. And therefore, to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And so they taught them the word. And then they began to add math and language and other subjects. But the whole purpose was so that a man could know God. So notice what would happen if Jesus had not come to the earth. That most people in society would be illiterate. Number three, only the privileged and elite would have health care. Look, Roman culture and even the Jews of Israel, when you were sick, you were set aside as inferior. And the job that you had was for someone else to take care of you or to beg. And we see that throughout scripture because they were not considered a valuable contributor to society. And so the world had medical treatment, but the medical treatment was only for the elite. And so those of lowest status did not uh, have uh, medical treatment and not only uh, of lower status, but women did not have medical treatment, but only the elite men during that time. So what we recognize then is that there was no institution that existed to take care of all the people that were sick, regardless of their social status, until the church came along or until Christians started them. So we recognize then that people would be sick, uh, and that's why when Jesus came along, we know that he still healed the sick, and it did not matter who you were or where you were from, that if you came, that you were healed if you believed. And so as a result of it, we, we recognize then as Jesus started his ministry, <clears throat> that he started his ministry with blue-collar workers, evidencing that no matter what status in life that you have, every person is valuable because they have a piece of God on the inside of them. 
So we recognize then if that Jesus had not been born, that women would be the property of men. We recognize that if Jesus had not been born, most of society would be illiterate. And we recognize that most of the people would be sick and die if Jesus had not come. Number four, if Jesus had not come, slavery would exist today. You know, uh, if you, it, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, when you have something that's serving your purpose, you don't want to give it up. And, and so this, there's a selfishness within you that just wants you to have more of what you are getting. I, I'll give you a perfect example. And I always said this. Remember when they do toll roads? They do toll roads, and the way they sell the concept is that it's going to pay for this. And once that's paid for, there will be no more tolls on this road. Have you ever seen a toll road where they remove the toll? Come on, let the church say amen. <laughs> because once they get that money, they can't, they want to figure out. Now, it started out at 75, bu- 75 cents. Then it went to a dollar. Beltway eight. Now it's a dollar what? Oh my God, a dollar seven. <laughs> I'm going to have to get on the service road now, ride that free access. So, so notice this. So there's a selfishness, but if Jesus had not come, slavery would still exist today. And, and I'll give you an example of that. In 1637, of 1688, 1688, and I'll give you another date, 1688, there was a man by the name of Francis Pastorius, and he uh, issued the first anti-slavery proclamation in Pennsylvania, 1688. Hmm. In 1837, there was another man whose name was Elijah Lovejoy. And Elijah, uh, he uh, was a clergyman that that was a publisher. And he published uh, against anti-slavery material in, in in, in his publications. And he was killed in 1837 in his publishing office because they, people wanted to keep slavery. But, and both of these men were Christians, the first anti-slavery proclamation and the first publishing material against slavery. And they tried to quieten the voice so that men could keep in bondage. Slavery was not, according to our Constitution, outlawed until 18. 65, right? And so one of the interesting things that we recognize then is that if Jesus had not come, that these, the Christians had an influence on society. And if Jesus had not come, slavery would still exist today. And, and I want to give you this beautiful picture of what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter uh, 3, uh, verse 28. Paul says something very powerful in Galatians 3, 28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor free female, but we are all one in Christ. And so look at this. Women should get the same pay as men. That regardless of what your national origin is, you should be treated treated the same. It doesn't matter um, what your background has been. The only thing that matters is what your future can be. And so as Paul began to declare, look, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. We're all the same. That means that God looks at us through one life. 
And that is the life of Jesus, the one that came. And he sees the blood, not your mistakes, not your background, not any of that stuff. He sees your future. And as a result of that, God does not evaluate you based on what you have not done. He evaluates you based on what you're willing to do. So everybody has a role to play in what God wants to do in this life. And if you do not play the role, it leaves a hole in society. Now, God will fill it, but he wants to do it with you. So, so, so let's see here that if Jesus had never been born, that women would be the property of men, that most of society would be illiterate, only the elite would have health care, and slavery would still exist today. And the fifth thing here is that we would not live a life of victory. Because in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says the one who does what is sinful. Come on, let's read that together. Let's read it like we know it is the power of his word. Let's read it together now. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to was to do what? Come on, one more time. Was to do what? The purpose, the role that Jesus had to play when he came to the earth was to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? The works of the devil is to affect you mentally so that he can control exactly how you think. And if he can control how you think, then he can control what you do. The works of the devil is to control your motivation. And if he could affect why you do what you do, then there would not be the purity and the humility that God desires for us to have so that we could be conduits that he could work through. And the power, look, that same anointing that was upon Jesus is upon you. So nothing's wrong with the source, the anointing, Perhaps the other end, that it doesn't flow all the way through. And so he, he, can, he can affect our motivation. And then if he can affect our motivation, he, the devil came to destroy us morally. To make sin so alluring that we fall into the sin trap. Jesus understood that. He came as a man. He was hungry like us, thirsty like us. He was tempted like us. But yet he knew no sin. So as we see that, then we recognize that if Jesus had not been born, we would never know how intimately our God identifies with us. There would be no salvation from sin. There would be no victory over the devil. There would be no life after death. And there would be no assurance that right will eventually win out over wrong. In other words, there would be no hope. And no matter what your life has been, that if God pulled you out of the life you now live and showed you what the world would be like without you, what would you see?